Hey there, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the In Search of Something Different podcast. I'm your host, Bori Vig, and today we have a remarkable guest who's fearlessly challenging taboos and revolutionizing the way we discuss fertility. Join us for an incredible conversation with Daniela Nataletsu, a fertility consultant who has guided and supported numerous individuals through the ups and downs of this often challenging journey. She brings invaluable insights and sheds light on this sensitive topic, offering a fresh perspective that will inspire and inform. In this episode, we will delve into the reasons why egg freezing is still surrounded by taboos and uncover its true accessibility and, cert- and significance. We strongly believe that discussing such a vital topic is crucial in our evolving world, where the average age of starting a family has increased by almost a decade compared to previous generations. I personally am also attached to this topic, and I will share my personal journey from a few years ago. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome Daniela on the show. Welcome to the show about new ideas on how we live, work and connect. This is Bori Vik, your host, and in the following episode, together with my guests and listeners, we are again in search of something different. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the In Search of Something Different podcast. And now we have a special guest here, Dana, my friend. Welcome, Dana, on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and to approach such an important topic with you today. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Yes, it's not going to be an easy topic, but I I was really, was really, really happy that uh, you said yes and that I know you and then I can ask someone about this. So I feel that with our lifestyle, there is a big topic and there is a big taboo uh, with our mm-hmm. lifestyle and it is about fertility. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you're such an amazing representative of this topic, not only because you have scientific background and also uh, a career background but also uh, because you're also a nomad so mm. you I think you're the go-to person when you're talking about this <laughs> with our lifestyle but it's not only for nomads it's not a question only for nomads it's also for anybody who just needed a little bit more time to make decisions um, mm. but let's not run away that much can you just tell a little, little bit about your background like wh- what did you work and why 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 did I say that you're so professional in this field? <laughs> yeah, why, how did I become uh, such, uh, so involved with fertility? Um, I'm a former patient coordinator. Uh, this role puts you in a clinic, in a fertility clinic, working directly with patients and guiding them at the beginning of their fertility journey. Um, I did this for a while uh, before becoming a full-time traveler. And it equipped me with uh, two important pieces of information. Uh, One, it's important to talk about fertility before it becomes a problem. Mm. And second, we don't do it enough. There is Mm. a huge informational gap uh, that later translates into lost time, into lost opportunities, into lost money. And we'll see this a bit later. Um, So I decided to close that gap by uh, creating an educational program for women interested in egg freezing and another for couples um, who are starting to suspect they might need assisted reproduction. And uh, here we are today. So basically, um, I created this educational program using the the hands-on information I gathered directly from patients all from all over the world, from women who uh most often than not learned a bit too late about egg freezing so um yeah i made it in a way my mission to mm. steer this conversation around to make people think about it and um most importantly to empower them to make decisions that are in line with their lifestyle with their yeah. with their ideas of motherhood with their ideas of family planning so that that yeah. would be it in uh very shortly yeah yeah, thank you so much. So I let's just get to the most dramatic question that I think mm. there is. Uh, when is it too late? When do you think it's too late? Well, that's a very, very personal. The, the, the question is super important and super valid. And I think it will be the focus of our conversation mm. today. 
The person, the answer, however, is very personal. Uh, just to start a bit with the numbers, um, the ideal age for egg freezing, so for fertility preservation, is between 27 years old and 34 years old. However, if we look at the data, most procedures are done in women from 35 to 40. So we can already see that there's there's a there's a big gap between these ages. Um, it's too late when your ovarian reserve is very low, and mm. doctors will advise against the procedure. Um, however, I think we should keep it in an optimistic note and rather ask ourselves when it is time. This is one of the questions that I get the most from my clients. When is the time? to think about it. Mm. And my answer to this is now. <laughs> you should think about it now. Um, but it's not that easy. Uh, from a fertility standpoint, uh, the best years we have are in our 20s. Mm. But we have to be honest. Many women in, our in their 20s, they don't think about having children. Or even if they do, they say, well, I have plenty of time left. And the sad part is that even if you go to a specialist, to a gynecologist, for example, and you ask them, is it time? Look, I heard about this egg freezing. Should I, should I look into it? Unfortunately, most, most of them will discourage you and say the same thing. You know, let nature run its course. It's plenty of time ahead. The truth is, however, we shouldn't nature run its course because nature can be very cruel. And uh, despite us feeling young and, uh, you know, full of life and healthy because we are, fertility doesn't really, doesn't really agree with us. So from a fertility standpoint, in our late 20s, it would be an ideal time. But then you also have to be financially ready, right? Uh, the, there's costs associated to this pro procedure. Uh, it's not covered by insurance in many, in many situations. Um, so you have to look in your wallet and say, am I equipped to invest in this, to invest in my future fertility? And the third aspect uh, that we most often dismiss is that we have to be emotionally ready as well. Mm. There's so much preconception about how motherhood should look like, about how becoming a mother should look like, right? So we have to look inside of us and see... Am I ready to do this? Um, and I know you have a, a, an amazing story about this and about mm. how 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 much we carry with us, not even knowing yeah. that it's there about about motherhood. So once we have this three cleared, um, I think it's it's easy to learn when is the time for us. Mm -hmm. When is it the right? I, time I think I think it's so important that we talk about this because first of all. If you think about it, you get your period between age like 11 to like 15. So that means you're, if you talk about nature, that's when you're ready. But the social part has moved like even I think exactly. like 10 years compared to my parents' generation. And it's exactly. because we have us women, we have so much possibilities and we have now education and we are involved with the society a little bit more equal than even my mother's generation. Mm -hmm. I like not to talk about my grandmother's generation. Exactly. So, of course, it's natural that it's being pushed out a little bit. And then I really don't want to, uh, definitely don't want to blame either gender on this. This is a thing that mm -hmm. we are experiencing. And we also, as you mentioned, we look younger. Like, if mm -hmm. you see, like, how your parents looked in close to their 40s, it's not how, not how, or not how we look. We have less stress as well. We have so much, um, so much more freedom. So, I was in the, I was in the point of thinking that I have more time, right? Because I thought just what you say, like I, I am healthy. Um, I feel healthy. Like I'm sure it should be okay. I didn't even dare to ask the question from my mom. Uh, when did she start, um, her menopause? Mm -hmm. I didn't, didn't even started that conversation with my mom, which would be a crucial conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, because she actually started her menopause really early, like 42, 43. Yeah, and that's a good indicator. That's a good indicator that really for, good for indicator. fertility. Mm -hmm. 
exactly. But it became such a taboo. And then now that you brought up my my story, I, I, I would like to tell this story for everyone. And mm-hmm. actually, really thank you for the possibility that I can talk about this because I never wrote an article. I never actually came out with this, but with you, I feel. Who yeah. else would be a better <laughs> better person to talk about this than you? Um, so my story was, it started in Lisbon. It was all the circumstances went in a way that I needed to go to Lisbon. And um and then I was having a female, like a girl's night out, like just only at dinner. And mm. she was turning 38. She was like, so you're turning 38. Are you thinking about uh, freezing your eggs? And my reaction was that I'm going to go and punch this girl. Like, how, that, she how dare she? Mm. I was, I was yeah. like, I'm like, how dare she ask this question out in public? Like, what the hell? And mm. then when I saw, saw my friend reacting like completely normal, Saying like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. Then mm-hmm. I was just like completely numb. Like, are we allowed to talk about this? And then the conversation went on, and I couldn't bear. Yeah. I couldn't bear with it. So then I decided yeah. to speak up and then ask everybody to shut up. And yeah. then I felt mm-hmm. okay. This is interesting because I'm actually right now I'm running a podcast and I was a blogger before, so I'm really. I thought I'm really curious, but it was such mm-hmm. a taboo in me that I. I I needed to stop a conversation and that was such an indicator for me to finally go and talk to a therapist about this. I was really lucky. My mm. therapist was coming in two weeks. My the appointment was in two days. So then I, I told this yeah. uh, therapist like, so this is what happened. Like apparently there is like a big, uh, like a big topic around this. And what I told her was that um, I feel that I feel ashamed and I feel that we arrived to the point that we were playing outside too long and now we are too late. We need to go for plan Bs. And then yeah. she said something super important. And then the important was like, all the decisions that you made up until now, including all the breakups, all the career choices, everything, all the lifestyle choices that you made, would you change them? And, mm. and hell no, I'm really happy where I am. So then she said, <laughs> exactly. then maybe, maybe it's not a not a plan a it's uh, it's not a plan b it's a plan a for you exactly exactly and uh and then i'm like i'm booking an appointment (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, and then actually i needed to face something super difficult and uh uh, like god sent you because you were excellent yeah it was an amazing coincidence we knew each other before Mm-hmm. crazy oh. and um because it turned out that i was just i would say just like pretty much the right moment it's like it, yeah. i could have gone 27 i wish i would have gone 27 i need to go two rounds which was more expensive than i expected and um i need to go two rounds and the first time i only could take we only could freeze four eggs which is really low mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, the second time it was seven. So I, now I have 11 eggs frozen, which is still a huge gamble. But mm-hmm. the the perspective that it gave to me that um, that I am that I'm no longer going on dates thinking what's going to happen. This is it. Yeah, um, exactly. My my biological clock is ticking in behind of, you know, in the, in the back of my mind and uh yeah, it's. I think it's this that you actually get this peace of mind, the safety net, and uh, um, and a choice to continue making your life as you want it, not uh, as your biology dictates. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it's not that we are because some people say that. Yeah, but if you know, if you're nature, if like if life wants you that, and that nature doesn't want that, there are so many people who want to have kids in like their late thirties or early forties, even. Mm-hmm. And this, it's the same procedure. And then we don't talk about this. Like the fact that you're freezing your eggs is actually just the first part. Can you say a little bit about this part of the procedure? Uh, yes, you're, 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 uh, you're exactly right. So basically the procedure of freezing your eggs is the first step of an IVF procedure. Um, uh, egg freezing has become uh, has become um, has lost the experimental um, denomination pretty recently. However, we've been doing IVF for quite some time, and there are a lot of children oh. born of IVF. However, egg freezing was considered experimental for a long time. Only uh, less than a decade ago, it has entered the the normal use of medicine, and so this is why it seems like wow, with this. 
is this new thing that didn't exist. Actually, it does exist because it is the first step uh, of an IVF procedure, which is the hormonal stimulation. So the treatment that you have to, uh, to, to administer to prepare your body for the collection of eggs and the actual collection of eggs, um, followed by the freezing of the eggs. The procedure itself um, uh, is, not, is not difficult. Uh, it does come with some risks, and I will cover them uh, shortly. Um, but there's so many myths around it. I speak mm. to my clients, and a lot of them... Uh, wonder, oh, but I will put all those hormones in me. I don't, I don't know what it's, there's too much. I don't know. I don't know how it will affect me. And this is one of the most common questions that I get. And the answer to that is that the hormones that you use during the hormonal stimulation, they're actually mimicking the normal, the hormones that you normally have in your body. The only reason you put more of them is to produce more eggs because mm. on a normal cycle, you'd have one or two eggs. But mm. the purpose here is to have as many as possible. Mm. So we mustn't, we mustn't look at it as this, you know, boogeyman, uh, these hormones that are so bad, they will destroy my body forever because it's not the case. The treatment usually lasts around two weeks before you're ready for the egg collection. The egg collection is done under mild anesthesia. The recovery period is just basically one or two days in worst case. And then you're ready to go. So um, that's one of the myths I'm trying to break about, about egg freezing and wow, it's so you know, so uh, challenging for the body. We have made huge progress. And I think it's now it's safer than ever to do the procedure. Um, it's the same with um, the freezing of the eggs uh, in recent years. And this was the biggest bit breakthrough that allowed for egg freezing to exist today was the method to freeze the eggs. The biggest problem with freezing the eggs was that they would get destroyed uh, while uh, during freezing. Where and then the um, scientists have discovered what's called vitrification, which is mm -hmm. uh, an amazing process that basically doesn't allow for the forming of crystal around the egg, making it super safe to keep it frozen for virtually forever. Uh, so this this two breakthroughs allowed us to to have this conversation today the improvement of hormonal treatments in this amazing process called vitrification that basically says your eggs will be safe and they will survive this process of being frozen and thawed and um, fertilized later yeah can you tell me a little bit uh about because that for me that was a really really interesting interesting new knowledge mm -hmm. um but the first and then this is what I keep uh, suggesting to everyone because that was insane for me that for only from your blood, you can tell more or less how much is your reserve. Can you tell exactly. a little bit about this? Mm. Exactly. Another myth is, oh my God, I don't have time to go and put myself through so many tests and I, I just don't have time. I travel, I have my business running. It's just, <clears throat> but actually, like you said, it's just one blood test that starts it all. The, um, the hormone that we're measuring, it's called antimullerian hormone or AMH. Uh, you can go to a fertility clinic or you can go to the local lab um, and ask for the test. Uh, they will take blood and you will get your results uh, pretty soon. And this will basically give you an image of the on the ovarian reserve. How many eggs do you have left for a potential stimulation? This is the basis for your treatment later, and it's absolutely essential into even helping you make up your mind whether you want children yeah. or not. Um, I would say uh, that's if there will be one piece of advice out of this this episode of your podcast. I wanted to be go and test your AMH, even if you don't want to freeze your eggs, even if you think I don't want children forever. Test it. Information is power. It will put you on the right track to making informed decisions about your your next years. So just a blood test, just a little sting with the needle, mm. and you might get information that change you that that will change your life. Yeah, it's you know it's crazy because many people that like, we can with this little information that nobody mm. tells us, and I accidentally mm. found 
this information could have saved so much more time for me in my in the beginning of my 30s or the, mm. at the end of my 20s because unfortunately my number was radically low so mm. when i went and tested my number was 0.72 Mm-hmm. which is under one is already like critical. So mm-hmm. already my my um, gynecologist uh, in Lisbon where I did the procedure, she was like, we still can do it. But yeah, it's good that you're here. And mm-hmm. I really exactly. wish that somebody would, if I would bump into a podcast before and somebody would <laughs> tell me that. And then it's, yeah. it doesn't actually mean that I actually am going to use these eggs. That's another thing uh, that we can talk about. It's, mm-hmm. I might be donating them because that's an option that you can donate mm-hmm. them. But yeah. the peace of mind that these information, mm. like first of all, that you have, you're running out, you should do it now. And then yeah. I still will be able to, to figure this out. Here's another thing that I think many people have as, as like maybe a myth or maybe something that mm. I was thinking before doing the procedure uh, is, is can we be moms when we are 40? Like how long can we use these eggs? You know, like when can I be a mom when, like when I'm not going to be old mm. to be a mom? Oh, there are so many interesting aspects about this question, and it's super valuable. And I think it's one of the the reasons for for the complexity of the topic. Um, Theoretically, we can keep the eggs frozen uh, on an unlimited period of time. We don't really have data about eggs because, as I was saying, the the procedure has uh, lost the experimental domination pretty recently. However, we do have information about embryos that were frozen and reused after 27 years. Wow. So a, a young, um, a little girl, health, she was born healthy. She was, the pregnancy went amazing. It, it happened in the U.S. quite recently. It, she was born out of a 27-year-old embryo. So we have this data for embryos. Uh, only now we're gathering the data for, for eggs, but it's pretty promising. And it's promising because of this process called vitrification. So from the, the standpoint of the, uh, the health of your eggs, uh, specialists will say forever. Mm-hmm. However, there, there are other aspects to take into account. One important aspect is the legal aspect. Uh, each country at the moment has a limit to as in concerns with um, in regards to the age of the mother at the time of the embryo transfer. So based on where you based on your plans on or based on how you see yourself on when you think it's the last time you would want to consider becoming a mother, you should also when you choose your clinic or the country where you want to do the procedure, you should ask them about this legal aspect, which is how long can I can I keep this stored? And what's the age limit for embryo transfer? Mm-hmm. And a third aspect, equally important, is um, the state of the, your your general health and the health of your uterus. Uh, I recommend my clients to to do regular checkups and make sure everything is okay because the conditions where this egg fertilized into an embryo comes there there's equally important so you have to be healthy you have to have to continue to have a healthy body and to have a healthy uterus for a pregnancy to take place mm-hmm. so again it's a very very personal decision but um and it will involve questions about am i too old um do i still have the vitality of you know raising a child having a newborn uh, but these are personal, personal, very personal decisions. Uh, the only thing that I can say is that you, by choosing to do this, and like you chose to do the procedure, you gave yourself the time to think about all these questions. Um, and you give yourself this option. Even if, like you said, you'll probably, there's also this option where you never use the eggs and you donate them or you destroy them or whatever happens, you gave yourself the chance of of asking yourself these questions later in life. Um, so yeah, that I think would be would, would be the, the main aspect that people should take into account when looking when am I using these eggs? Or yeah, and I think this eggs. there's it's really good. And I think there's another another aspect that uh, people can consider it. It's you, you might think that you're going to live until 70. You know, because uh, that's what what we always been taught that the average life expectancy mm. is like seventy. But with the technology that arrived like twenty years ago, mm. 
in the healthcare and then how mm. uh, health conscious we are, like this generation, millennial generation, Gen X, alpha, yes. even. Um, mm. We are way more health conscious than, than we were before. Mm. So I would actually say that it's, it starts to seem that we are going to be pushing out this, this limit mm. with decades. So it's it's yeah. not I this was one of the game changers for me when somebody because this mm. was like the thing that I was say, saying like okay but what if you know I I'm not going to leave about like mm. seventy and there is this twenty something year old uh, and that becomes an orphan really yeah. grown up mm. and then I'm not going to be able yeah. to help but eventually I think I think we are just going to be living a little bit longer so I think. Therefore, it's super important we talk about this because we plan to ling- live longer, but our uterus and our ovaries mm. do not know that. <laughs> that yeah. it's not they going have, to be. They, they didn't get the memo. They didn't no. get the memo. That's for sure. So <laughs> yes. that's that's the that's the, the 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 tricky part. But uh, uh, but yeah. So for egg freezing, my comment, you know, be a total game changer because you're right. Our life expectancy is increasing. We're losing a lot of the bad habits that were the 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 most um, the most wanted killers, you know, like smoking. Fewer people are now smoking, drinking. We become more mm. conscious. We become more health conscious, as you all said. So uh, definitely, the age for becoming to uh, being able to carry the pregnancy will be pushed forward. At the moment, in most European countries, we are looking at 49 years of age. So that would be more or less. So take plus uh, wow. uh, plus minus two years. It's 49 years of age. The last uh, the limit for be- being able to carry pregnancy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's so there crazy. is time. There, there is definitely time. There is a lot of life in between and. Uh, um, it's important to be able to live it, you know, in your own terms. And I think um, another aspect that always comes up with egg freezing is uh, should everybody do it? No, not necessarily. But everybody should be informed of the possibility and of the options they have in front of them. Hundred, I, sure. I'm so agreeing with you that I think it gives mm. us. It takes we yeah. All right, so <laughs> I'm gonna find my sentence here, but. It gives us the possibility to live our life according to our terms. And it doesn't really matter that it doesn't, you don't know that you're going to use it or not. And, mm. uh, but can you imagine the scenario that you find someone with whom you feel like, right, mm. actually, I didn't want to have kids, but uh, now I changed my mind, for example. Mm. Uh, and then you face the, the 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 numbers it turns out that maybe maybe it's not possible or you want to do IVF so mm-hmm. how I see that I'm pretty sure that I'm going to need to do IVF if I want kids and then I'm just going mm-hmm. to use the eggs that I I had when I was younger mm-hmm. then, yeah then when I'm 40 uh, so for, this is actually super important that you mentioned mm-hmm. because yes uh, in order to use these eggs you will need to return to that clinic where you have the eggs and you will have to basically finish the, the, the process of an IVF procedure, with me, which means that the eggs will be fertilized in vitro in the lab. Mm-hmm. They will be cultivated in the lab, and then they will be transferred into your uterus. So basically, altogether, it will form the process of an IVF procedure. Um, another aspect that always comes up is about the moving of these eggs, because a lot of people, when they choose their, when they decide to do the egg freezing and then they choose the country where to go, uh, they're a bit overwhelmed. Like, what, how do I know where I, where I should I go? And, yeah. um, cost is usually, cost is usually an important factor. But then I always ask them to think about whether they have ties with that country, whether it's uh, it's easy to to travel there, uh, whether it's a stable country, you know, economically, geopolitically, uh, whether it's 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 an easy access to their eggs, uh, because moving of eggs is possible, and most clinics will tell you it's possible. However, in practice, it's a bit more complicated. So. Mm. Uh, definitely it's a huge it's an important decision that seems overwhelming but it can be you know broken down into into pieces but it's it's important to know that your eggs are safe and in a place where you can access them easily because you will have to return 
And you chose Lisbon, which is an amazing place for, mm. for it's one of the country, uh, the places that I recommend as well, um, because uh, it's fairly cheap. I mean, as compared to, for example, the US or. I or, think it is cheap, yeah. It is, yes. It is and uh, it's a stable country. It's a beautiful mm. place to be. For Nomad is one of <laughs> yeah. the most important hubs. <laughs> to, like it is the city of, of Nomad. So it is one of the, the places that, that definitely should be taken into account if, uh, if one of your listeners is considering. I would definitely say take a look at Lisbon. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's talking about the prices, just to, <clears throat> to have a ballpark, I did it like two years ago. And mm-hmm. the whole procedure was 2,500 euros uh, plus the medications that I did. Mm-hmm. I Somebody told me before that it's going to be a shocker, but I did not, was prepared mm-hmm. to walk into a pharmacy and pay, I think first round was 400. I think, yeah. no, I paid eight, 800. Yeah, 800. The meds, 800. The meds were 800. Yeah. And I'm standing there yeah. with my credit card, like, I didn't get ready with this. It's like, but, I, yeah, you need to ask for a like, for sure. And then they're like, yeah. right, how far do you live? I'm like, I lived on the other side of the whole mm-hmm. the whole whole city. And then I'm like, well, quite far. And then they're like, well, this needs to be in the fridge in like 35 minutes. So I felt like, I don't know, in an action movie, just like getting on a scooter and then just like driving super fast home to pick my yeah. hormones home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is a so bit, it is a bit of an adventure, yeah, with the with the hormones. So. Oh yeah, and the whole <laughs> thing is like three thousand uh, mm. three thousand three hundred for my second mm. round. We needed to have different. That's when your health was it's really useful mm. because uh, we put together an email like, or just like a questionnaire for for mm. my uh, cl- a cl- client clinic of asking clinic. why mm. it was. Um, I think we took out in the first round, we took out nine eggs and out of that only four we could freeze. Yeah. And yeah. that was, uh, the thing is that my body was a little bit slower in uh, in harvesting. Uh, yeah. So so we, we needed a little bit more time until we were too early mm. and uh, we need different medications. And then that's like, mm. uh, that's also a luck game. I, I was quite unlucky with this, that my body worked a little bit mm. different. But yeah. now that that was such a good news because second time I went back, they already know how my body works, so we could calculate better uh, of how it's how it's going to turn out. It is. Uh, it's it's true that um, it's not a. We wish it would be, but it's not an exact science, and every patient will react differently to the same medication. And uh, even like in your case you would react differently from one cycle to another because the doctor will tweak the treatment in order to adapt to the the actual reaction. Yeah. So um this is super this is why it's super important to get all these little pieces of information like your AMH or other hormones and speak as soon as possible with a fertility specialist so they can tell you this is what we can do. Yeah. This is our approach and uh, it's something that I wanted to mention earlier cuz when we started um, today's episode, we said that the lack of conversation makes you lose time and money. And yeah. it's exactly what happened in your case, because mm-hmm. at a younger age with a bigger hormonal reserve, you would have probably just needed one cycle of stimulation. Mm-hmm. Whereas the more we wait and the more the ovarian, the, 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 the smaller the ovarian reserve, we might need multiple cycles of stimulation. And um, that is something that I think people people should know because it's not just wasted time in a you know metaphorical sense. It's yeah. a waste of time in the real sense yeah. when you when you see your values dropping and saying, "God damn! If I knew like two years ago, mm. I would have probably paid half, or I would have gotten double my ex." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's the the real reason behind. Let's talk about this and let's talk about, you know, without shame and uh, despite what, you know, society taught us, it's taboo to speak about women's problems. Let's keep it hidden. Let's not talk about it. It's shameful because your reaction um, that you mentioned earlier doesn't happen in a void. You know, you didn't just wake up and say, oh, I find this shameful. This is years and years of society telling us you shouldn't speak about these things in public 
or, you know, if it's not meant to be. Well, the thing is then to this with the, it's not meant to be a lot of things, medicine goes against it's not meant to be. Wearing glasses goes against it's not meant to be. So where do we, you know, why do we pick and choose? We can wear glasses, but we cannot speak about our eggs. Oh, Mm. so uh, the more we, the more we, we have this conversation, the more other women and younger generations will feel comfortable of asking the right questions at the, at the younger age. And uh, yeah, I think they will just be, be more equipped to make their own decisions. Yeah, well, for a hundred percent, you 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 make so much sense when you say oh, this class is hilarious. But mm-hmm. but I was thinking that we are being put in a situation as women, and we can we will talk about uh, guys uh, in a, in a minute as well. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's like society tells you if you're like normal society, let's just put it mm-hmm. this way. But if you're if you're not married and you don't have a family as a woman by thirty five, then you're useless in many many cases. Mm-hmm. And we need to say this out that this is hidden in the lines and mm. and you're useless for the society and that's what they put so many amazing women doing so many amazing things besides raising a family mm. so i'm not saying that it's uh the, the only thing that uh, a woman can can do but on the other hand we are also being extremely judged when we are being pushy with in a mm. in a relationship of getting married and getting kids because exactly. all these girls are super pushy right now oh my god like fucking chill sorry about my language but like chill chill like uh you don't go on yeah. a first date and ask about marriage or and you ask about don't ask about kids why not why yeah. not yeah. there is like biological things and if you measure this on the first uh first sight so there's even shame about talking about this when you want and then when you yeah. don't want it's also shameful when you're too old yeah. it's also shameful of course when you're too young yeah. it's also shameful so hmm. there's so much things around it and and i think life's life is just working its own ways out and then you can only play with the tools that you've been given and this is an amazing tool that we have it's exactly this it's a tool and uh it's an individual decision how we use it but we mustn't pretend it doesn't exist or Mm. we mustn't pretend it's like an enemy of romance or an enemy of uh, you know natural fertilization because the you know, uh, it's not, it's just, it's a, it's a tool. Uh, and we should learn how it works, you know, like the, with the computer, we should know how, yeah. what buttons to yeah. touch and we should learn what it can do for us. And then uh, we should decide whether or not it is for us. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, um, to, I think it's a sign of, it's a sign of emotional maturity as well to be able to discuss this and this is a probably a different conversation about um about emotional maturity and how many things we need to we need to shed in order to be able to have this conversation Uh, but why i mentioned emotional maturity is because i uh, i'm a strong supporter of people having children when they have figured out their stuff and Many people will say, oh, you're delaying motherhood uh, for your career, and this is bad or is not bad, or delaying it for travel. But delaying it for being able to heal from generational trauma, for example, and not carrying it into a next generation is reason enough to delay motherhood, you know, and to use this tool that we have available and say, I need to process my own stuff before, you know, I create life. Yeah. And that's, uh, hmm. and then yeah. the, those people who dare to stand up and then say, like, okay, this, re- this relationship is super similar to the previous relationship, but I always get hurt the same way. And then by yeah. the time you realize that you're going through a generational trauma and you're repeating mm. what your ancestors probably mm-hmm. did, and there's something that you need to heal. And then we have all sorts of amazing tools how you can heal these traumas mm. now. Uh, if you just want to look into Mate Gabor's uh, work. Mm. And uh, about uh, trauma information and yes. living a trauma informed society and being mm. in a trauma informed society, I think this is the generation where we are right now. Action figures out that no, I exactly. don't want to put down my children on the same line that 
that's been at least I want to stop some of them. Like I know that I'm will not be able to stop all of them, but of course, at least, no. but at least at least you'll give it you'll give it a fighting chance, you know, to to yes. start uh, start with a clean slate and not just carry around the burden that was put on you by you know by other generations. And to me, this is this alone is a, such a valid reason to look into ways of preserving our fertility for for later in life. Yeah, you Let's said, talk. however, that you would like to speak about guys. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah, I was just trained? about to start into it because I think <laughs> we always we talk about uh, women, and I really hope that there is going to be a, a man listening to this podcast as well because uh, there is a difference on how much time we have and they have. But mm. it's also true that they don't have all the all the time on the world as well. People they have this mm. misconception that. Uh, even in your 90s as a man you will be able to become a father mm -hmm. again like the first time as well is that true what's your point on that oh well uh it's not true <laughs> yes there, there there are cases but uh, we will we cannot assume that it will be the case for everybody and uh, probably the most important aspect here is the quality of the genetic material and this applies to oocytes, to female eggs, and it applies to sperm cells. Mm. Even if you have the numbers, um, the genetic quality of our reproductive uh, material decreases with age. So yeah, maybe in your 90s, you would do, you'd go and you'd do a spermiogram and you'd still have, you know, the normal values. But that doesn't mean the genetic quality of each sperm is there or that it will result in a successful fertilization, successful pregnancy. So this myth I would like to bust. No, guys, don't wait until 90, even if you might be tempted to. However, it's the same advice that I gave to women. Go and test your sperm. Uh, it's an easy test. Again, you can do it in a fertility clinic. You can speak to your urologist if you don't know how to access the fertility clinic or where to go. Uh, it will give you information. And again, it happened that I started this discussion in different circles. And some of the guys said, you know something? Like, I'm also a traveler. I also don't really know, uh, you know, how my next years will look like, but I would like to look into this. And they were looking into freezing their sperm, which is mm -hmm. an easier process than freezing the eggs because you don't need the hormone simulation. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty quick. <laughs> um, but a um, few of them actually ended up learning that the situation was, was not normal for their age mm -hmm. even. So they learned earlier in life that they might then they might have problems and that's again a very very good information to have because mm -hmm. when you learn that you might have problems in your 30s there there might be things to do you can work with a specialist you can look into the causes to see whether it's genetic or it's related to your lifestyle but you can do something rather yeah. than just wait until the moment you want to have a child and you're like oh why isn't this happening and then you learn then so, yeah, it's interesting because since I started the program, I did speak with guys and some of them said, hmm, I will freeze my sperm. And uh, some did it successfully. Others are now investigating the, the causes of, of their, their um, lower values. But definitely it's a conversation guys need to have as well. There's no shame to it. It's actually, it's easier and it's cheaper for them. Um, you can go and you can give samples at different time points in your life. And then when the time comes or if the time comes, the best sperm cells will be used for potential fertilization. It just gives you options. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I think it's, <laughs> it's some, it's, it's, this is like a Mythbuster episode. I think we busted at least. And myth of, yeah. uh, around this. everything you yeah. thought you know about fertility <laughs> yeah yeah uh so i think we're getting to, towards the end mm -hmm. uh end of this discussion i don't really mm -hmm. have many other other myth to to bring up but there is one thing that i would i would like you to talk about uh still and towards the end what is your job and how can you help people um mm -hmm. when they're considering who is the person 
who should uh, look you up and and uh, check uh, the description where we're going to link, link all your info. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, at the moment, um, I can help via the two educational programs that I mentioned earlier that uh, basically are meant to be a good starting point for this journey. I've seen so many people getting overwhelmed by information or by choosing their clinic and just giving up, saying, you know, something is too much for me now to process. I don't understand these terms. I will wait two more years. And we saw that waiting two more years changes everything. So um, the programs... um, that I offer under Dandelion Fertility are meant to equip you with the right information from the beginning, um, create a roadmap on how to interact with the clinic to make sure you're kind of escaping the marketing part and you're given with, you're left with the information that's relevant to you. And um, basically to help you make in, informed decision and be more mm-hmm. involved in your treatment. Um, the program itself has a video component. So basically the, the, the basics of fertility, uh, the basics of fertility and of, um, of the procedures. You can, you can just watch the videos at your own pace. And then we have the tools that help you ask the right questions to the clinic to get out mm-hmm. information from them that will let you get closer to the perfect decision, the best choice for you. And then a consultation with me to figure out the last details. And um, a very important aspect that I would like to to mention is that this is not meant to replace the doctor. Uh, I'm standing between you who just learned about the possibility or not Mm -hmm. even, or you who just heard your friends speaking about this topic and your first clinic to the doctor, uh, your first visit to the clinic. in order to make this transition uh, as short as possible and as useful as possible for you as a future fertility patient. Okay. That would be kind of how I can help. Um, That's a, that sounds amazing. Sure. And out of, out of uh, experience, which I, I accidentally bumped into, I think for me, our conversations and, and mm. I, I also get the video material was super mm. helpful when mm. when I felt like who can I talk to about this and of course I can t- I could talk about the clinic but they were giving me four days of like you can come back in four days and I was devastated what's going to happen mm. I, I had one of the lowest points of my life actually when I get back like a out of I remember now 10 eggs for four mm. was only I'm like what does this mean is it I felt yeah. super useless and then only like a half an hour conversation with you I only felt like mm. oh wait a second actually we can I have the tools I know what wait, to ask yeah. I have mm. the information yeah. it's such a such a, so I'm forever grateful for you that you were there for me and then you were I was, it was such a beautiful coincidence I'm really happy it was I wasn't even meant to be in Lisbon so it's it's it really was, remarkable it That's was we overlapped at the perfect time yeah 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 it was really well, um, really that Santiago. this actually unfortunately happens to happens to a lot of couples and a lot of women and the confusion, the disorientation, the the lack of um, management expectations sometimes from the clinic. Although you you were pretty lucky with your clinic, um, the one in Lisbon, but uh, in most most cases, there's a a very, very low expectation setting uh, effort from the clinic. So a lot of people find themselves not knowing what just happened. Like I I was expecting more. I was expecting something else. And um, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be able to guide people at this very critical moment, which is the beginning of the of the journey. Yeah, 100%. And one, one extra thing I think that we should tell in many countries, and this is something that you, you said as well, that you mm-hmm. need to pick the country uh, wisely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people who unfortunately have their eggs frozen in, in Ukraine. So of course, for them, it's super devastating. And yeah. also in Hungary, it's illegal to freeze your mm-hmm. eggs if you're not um if you're not um, sick. Um, if, if you don't have you don't have a medical indication. Yeah, if you don't have a medical indication. Yeah. It is true. Uh, France is also very restrictive uh, as to the age, the limit age limit for egg freezing. Um, but um I think this is why 
us as travelers we're we're privileged because we already have one of the one of the difficulties of medical tourism of just going to a kind of hopping into a country and saying oh freeze my eggs here is the 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 lack of easiness with this traveling oh i don't know how will i get there i don't know how will i feel there and i think we're privileged here because we already know how to hop from country to country yeah and um it's true it is an important decision and it's one uh, it's part of um my most of my consultations people are like i don't know where to go but with the right questions and with the right information from this clinics the decision is it's easier um and this is uh, an aspect that you mentioned yes ukraine um was and hopefully will continue to be a hub for mm. uh, IVF one of the european hubs for IVF and um now probably people who do have eggs there are disconnected from from using them so this is why it's, it's important to you know to be able to access what I was mentioning to access your eggs and have a connection to that country for example but um you know it's 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 an it's a bigger 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 decision but definitely one that's important and it's it's easy to take once you know what to ask i'm really grateful that you came for this uh, uh podcast mm-hmm. and that we had a, a discussion about this i'm also really grateful that you do this job and help families mm-hmm. being born and uh, also that you're busting all this myth around and then you're spreading awareness i i'm really highly uh, thinking of you and and mm-hmm. i think uh, that this podcast that we just did i really hope that uh, you guys took out some of the nuggets that uh, that's important Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to find all the info about uh, Dana in the show description. So, uh, yeah. Thank you so much one more time and uh, have a really good day. See you around. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for bringing up such, such an important topic. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. If you're further interested in this topic, Daniela has a complete series of bite-sized video lessons that aim to demystify the science of assisted reproduction and debunk some prevalent myth to help set realistic expectations. Plus, you can get some handouts and a one-on-one consultation with her. We have the link uh, on show notes. It's dandelionfertility.com. And if you use the promo code BORI10, 10, 10 written with 1 and 0, Uh, you will get 10% off of all the packages that you can find on this website. You are listening to the In Search of Something Different podcast, where we talk about new ways and ideas on how we live, work and connect. If you like this episode, don't forget to give us a five-star rating as it helps in this world. And also, you can say hi on Instagram. You can find the show under In Search of Something Dash Different. I'll come back to you soon with the next episode, but until then, don't forget to stay curious.